We know very well, as this week's parasha tells us, that during the course of Pesach, we are not permitted to own chametz or to have it anywhere in our possession or our property. So what do we do with chametz? Well, before Pesach, the ideal is to destroy it, to burn it or get rid of it in some other way. The Torah also allows us the opportunity to be mafker, which means to relinquish our ownership over the chametz. It's not ours. It's not a problem. question is, is that just a thought? Do we have to say something? Do we have to do something? And would we be allowed after Pesach to reclaim that chametz for ourselves? We also know that nowadays what's very common is to sell our chametz to a non-Jewish person, which to some seems like a controversial idea. Is it not just a loophole because we intend to buy the chametz back afterwards? Now, when you put all of these concepts together, then you can ask the question, what if there's something I really don't want to relinquish? I don't want to get rid of it. It's something really important to me. Does it help then to go through any of these processes, being mafkir or selling it, where my intention was never to get rid of it in the first place. The reason we're asking this question is because of a story with the Rebbe Rashab and some candies that he had gotten from his grandfather, Tzemach Tzedek, that he did not want to get rid of before Pesach, and that Tzemach Tzedek insisted that he eat them. The question is, why eat them? Why not sell them? Why not make them hefker? We're going to explore all the possible halachic angles of this. And in doing so, we also have to analyze the ingredients that went into these candies, because that's also an issue. It wasn't necessarily 100% chomets, and that changes the game somewhat. We also have to get to the essence of what is it about chomets that is objectionable on Pesach. Is it the essence of the, the item, the chomets, or is it the fact that it might be something we'd eat or gain benefit from? Depending how we see chomets will determine the different stages or halachic processes that are required in order to be able to uh, relinquish our rights to chomets and not transgress. So all of that out of this particular story with the Rebbe Rashab as a little child, which of course teaches us a tremendous amount about how we're supposed to educate young children. This Sicha, which is on the parasha boy, is also related to Yud Shvat, which was the Shabbos of that Sicha, Yorzad of the Friedrich Rebbe. So the Friedrich Rebbe that tells us when the Rebbe Rashab, his father, was young and being inducted into school, so he went into school for the first time, what we call the Arayin Furnish. His grandfather, the Tzemach Tzedek, was still alive. And So when they brought the Rebbe Rashab into the Cheder, the Tzemach Tzedek is So the Tzemach Tzedek threw candies at the Rebbe Rashab, saying, That it's actually the Malach Michoel who is throwing these candies. So the Rebbe Rashab was very excited about these candies that he got from Malach Michael, and he did not want to eat them. He didn't want to lose them. He wanted to hang on to them. Because they were very precious to him. So Erev Pesach is given a minig. Erev Pesach, the custom is, as recorded in the Yalter Rebbe Shulchan Aruch, Beidach designed the cashness when declaring a kinder that you check the pockets of little children because you never know what lands up in their pockets. So the Tzemach Tzedek called the Rebbe Rashab, and asked him, where are these candies? Because he knew, obviously, he hadn't eaten them, and he was guarding them. And then he told him, you have to eat the candies before Pesach starts. Now, this is a story like all the stories of the Rebbeim, especially if it's a story the Rebbeim tell us about the Rebbeim, must obviously teach us many lessons. Not only are we going to learn a tremendous lesson by the end of the Sikha about how to educate young children, 
As the Friedrich Rebbe concludes the story by saying, this is the kind of education that we should have. And Chinuch is a big theme in this week's parasha where the Torah tells us our responsibilities to convey our lessons and history to our children. But besides that, but the story is also going to tell us very important halachas with regards to the prohibition against chametz, something also discussed in this parasha. So let's analyze the story. We have to understand why did the Tzemach Tzedek insist that the Rebbe Hashab eat these candies. Seeing that the Rebbe Hashab cherished these candies so much, and he didn't want to eat them. We understand why they really were very valuable candies. They came from the Tzemach Tzedek, a, a, a Rebbe. It's obviously priceless. Why did the Tzemach Tzedek insist that the Rebbe Rashab had to eat them before Pesach? Why didn't the Tzemach Tzedek allow him just to lock them away with all the other Chomets that they would sell to a non-Jewish person and then get back after Pesach? What's wrong with that? It works for every other area of Chomets. Why not this? So we're going to analyze various propositions of why it might not have been good enough. The Rebbe will reject a whole lot of them and eventually explain to us that there's something spiritual going on over here. We in Chabad are not the only people who cherish things that come from the Rebbe. Amongst many Chassid in this Shirayim, the leftover food or other type of items, edible items that they get from the Rebbeim. So it's typical that if they had an item from one of the Rebbeim, like often people would have challah or cake, they would sell it together with the rest of the Chomet. So why doesn't the Tzemach Tzedek allow the Rebbe Rashab to do this? The Baldas, the Tzemach Tzedek, does need Gehesent on. The fact that the Tzemach Tzedek did not advise the Rebbe Rashab to sell his candies together with the Chomet, but when Cherik came and died, and as a hot Gehalten, as in them fall, it would seem that the Tzemach Tzedek had two concerns in mind. Number one, Aleph. First of all, perhaps the reason the Tzemach Tzedek says it's insufficient to sell this to a non-Jew is because the Rebbe Rashab's mind would be completely focused on, I want my candies back after, after Pesach. And maybe that would fall into an halachic category where we see various examples, for, for example, a particular type of um, utensil that a person wants a non-Jewish person to hang on to during the course of Pesach and actually use during the course of Pesach so that it doesn't get damaged or tarnished or whatever, that's problematic because you wanted to survive Pesach so you could get it back. Maybe this would fall into the same category. Maybe that's the Tzemach Tzedek's concern. Or or maybe the reason why it's not going to work to sell it to a non-Jewish person in this particular case is because we have to understand why are we allowed to sell Chometz to a non-Jewish person in the first place. Because it does really seem like we're cheating the system. Now, in Halacha, we are allowed to use certain loopholes in certain circumstances where it appears like we're breaking the halacha, but it's actually within a, 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 a the thin edge of the wedge of halacha, and it's acceptable in certain circumstances. 
For example, one of the classic examples is that if there are two animals that have fallen into some kind of a ditch and we need to get them out, but it's yontav, and the only reason you'd be allowed to rescue the animal is if you intend to shecht it and eat it, but it's a parent and child which you may not shecht and eat on the same day. So you use our Rama, you pull the one animal out saying, this is what I'm going to shecht, and then after you have a look at it, once it's above ground, you say, oh, actually, that's not suitable, let's get the other one, we're going to shecht that one. So there are various halachas like that where we play the system in a sense. And that's what it looks like Mechir's Chometz is. We're playing the system. We're going to sell the Chometz, but we all know that we're buying it back after Pesach. So technically it's not ours during Pesach, but maybe it is. Why do we allow that? We clearly intend to get our Chometz back after Pesach. And we're allowed to sell Chometz to a non-Jew who we know personally, so we have a relationship. And we know because of our relationship, this non-Jew is not going to touch our Chometz for the week of Pesach. In fact, to the contrary, this non-Jewish person is actually going to look after my Chometz until after Pesach and then return it back to me. So why are we allowed to do it? It's because the whole concept of selling Chometz is a rabbinic law, meaning, as far as the Torah is concerned, if we make a declaration that our Chometz is ownerless, that would be good enough. And the Rabbanon wanted to make sure that we would have some kind of a safeguard. That's why perhaps the Tzemach Tzedek was concerned in this case. One thing we do know is where in those areas of halacha where we're allowed to use some kind of a loophole, it has to be that it's not obvious that we're playing the system. Here it seems like it is Haroma Nikeres. It's an obvious um, uh, fudging of the, of the halacha in a sense. In other words, because we know we really want it back. The Tzemach Tzedek is telling the Rebbe Rashab, you have to eat your, your candies because I know what's going to happen. If we tell you to sell the candies to the non-Jewish person, you don't really want to sell them. You're just going to be going through the motions because you don't want to lose your candies. So if that is the case, where it's very obvious that you're just using the system in order to protect yourself, the same rabbis who told us that we can sell chometz would say in these circumstances, you can't sell chometz. So perhaps these are the two concerns that the Tzemach Tzedek had. And why he didn't want the Rebbe Rashab to sell the Chometz. Number one, because he intends to get it back and he wants it to survive Pesach. And number two, because he's essentially playing the system. That's what you'd think were the concerns of the Tzemach Tzedek. But the truth is, if you look at the Alter Rebbe's rulings in Shulchan Aruch, this is not an issue of concern. We can't say that this is what bothered the Tzemach Tzedek. Firstly, in his discussion about the prohibitions against Chometz and the ways that we get around the prohibition, the Alter Rebbe does not raise the concern that if somebody intends that they want the Chometz to survive Pesach, that that would undermine selling the Chometz to Pesach. That's not an issue, it's not a consideration, so the Tzemach Tzedek would not have raised it. Secondly, the Das Rev Apoiskim, but Befrat the Das Ad Murazokin, most halachic authorities, especially the Alter Rebbe, is Mechiratz Chometz Ad Mechirat Gemura, make sure that the way in which we sell Chometz ticks all the legal boxes, that it's a true sale, it's not a token sale. Which means it is such an effective sale that it prevents any consideration of transgressing having Chometz in our possession as the Torah requires. In other words, not only are we satisfying a rabbinic requirement, but we're doing such a solid sale that any Torah-based prohibition is clearly addressed. And one way that you could be aware of this is because 
let's say there are little crumbs around the house and I didn't do a good enough job of cleaning my house. So then just before Pesach, I say, Kol Chamira, any crumbs are bottled. They have no value. They're hefka. They don't belong to me. It's very clear in Halacha that the things we have locked away in our closets, which we have sold to the non-Jew, are not included in Kol Chamira. They're not things that we say are bitl vehefker. Why not? Because they're not ours. So we have no concern because it's an absolute 100% bona fide sale. Therefore, there's no reason that Tzemach should be afraid that selling these candies is going to somehow be halachically weak and he's got to advise the Rebbe Rashab otherwise. So the question is, why did he not want him to sell this, these candies together with the Chomets? Okay, let's find another option. If for whatever reason selling the chomets would not, or selling these candies would not have worked, let's at least look at another alternative method to relinquish the rights to chomets and therefore to not run into the transgression of chomets on Pesach. Maybe there's another way that the Rebbe Ashab could have kept his candies and not transgressed on Pesach, which is. Avoiding the sale to a non-Jewish person if you're afraid that perhaps it's iffy. And that is before the time frame when Chomets becomes Asr, now it's early morning Erev Pesach, you relinquish your mafkir, you relinquish ownership, and that's what the Rebbe Rashab could have done. He could have relinquished ownership of these candies. Now you'll say, one second, we know that the Torah permits us to relinquish ownership, to make our Chomets Hefker, but the rabbi still said that's not enough and we have to remove it or sell it, etc. We learn from a Pasuk in this week's parasha, which says, you shall not see for yourself Chomets, which means, as the Mishnah tells us, you are permitted to see, even if it's on your property, Chomets that belongs to a non-Jewish person, let's say you've got a non-Jewish tenant in your house, or Chomets that belongs to Hefker, which is our example that we're talking about, Chomets that has no owner, is not your responsibility. That's as far as the Torah is concerned. But the rabbis then stepped in and said, well, that may not be sufficient for certain reasons. Like, for example, our, the fact that we're so used to eating chametz, and if it's around, who knows, we might accidentally eat it. And therefore the rabbis said, what we've actually got to do is destroy the chametz, typically through burning it. But you know what? We could come up with a plan for the Rebbe Rashab and Hefker could work. How? It's the two steps that he could take, which would make this such a strong Hefker that even the rabbis wouldn't be concerned. So what are those steps? First of all, the first thing that you could do is not just think, I, I don't own this Chomets any longer, and then keep it in your, in your property. It's not mine, it just happens to be on my property. But you could do something much more than that. So not only do you do the first step of saying in my head, it's not my chomets, do an action. Take it outside, remove it from your property. And where do you put it? In a place that is public access. That's a real statement. It's not my chomets. It's available to everybody. In an odd voice, again, it can mention, but you do it cleverly. You choose a public access place that people don't actually walk through, like a alleyway or something, and then after Pesach, you go back and guess what? Nobody's touched it. So now you reclaim it as yours from fresh. And that will address the two concerns the rabbis had against just relinquishing ownership of Chomet. One, the first concern is 
Relinquishing ownership is up to your attitude. And how do you know that the person has that full, sincere, okay, I really don't want this chametz. So we're concerned that the person is going to pay lip service to relinquishing his ownership without really wanting to relinquish his ownership. So we'll resolve that. Get rid of it. Put it outside. Put it into a public space. And the second concern we have, which is maybe you'll be used to nibbling on chametz, because people are used to eating chametz all year round. It's not like another kind of tray food. And therefore, it's quite likely that a person will forget that I'm not supposed to be eating this. And you're going to eat it. Well, okay, it's not going to be around, so you're not going to eat it. We've addressed the issues. Why, if for whatever reason the Tzemach Tzedek does not like that, the thought of the Rebbe Rashab selling the chametz uh, uh, candies, let him advise him to be mafkalem and put them behind some, I don't know, street in the middle of the town of Lubavitch. And if you look in halachic sources, you'll see clear instruction that this is acceptable. That if a person removes chomets from his property and says, I relinquish ownership, by leaving it in a place that technically anybody could access, and then go back after Pesach and reclaim it, that is brought halachically as acceptable. It would even seem that certain chassidim actually did that with the shirayim they received from their Rebbe, that they did not want to sell to a non-Jewish person. We'll see a little bit later why you wouldn't want to do that. So they made it hefker and left it out there for everybody. Now, the time of Pashas was that Tzemach Tzedek got Azoynid Geheisenton, so that sounds like a good solution. What would be the simplest reason that Tzemach Tzedek did not support this solution? When you consider that there are many, and here in the note, the Rebbe lists a whole lot of different halachic authorities who are quite okay with this process. Especially before the time that it becomes prohibited to have chametz, you put it into a place that is ownerless. And you intend after Pesach to reclaim it. Yes, there are many, many halachic authorities in favor, but not all. And most importantly, the Alter Rebbe's view is that you don't do this. So, there are halachic authorities who don't support this way of dealing with chametz. And most importantly, now, say, passing the Alter Rebbe. This is what the Alter Rebbe says in his Shulchanarach. Even if a person places his chomets in a place that is public access, anybody, nobody has authority over it, so anybody has access to it. The person would have to have absolute willingness internally and verbally that it's not mine. And the Alter Rebbe says clearly that this would not work if the person intended at the time that he's making it hefker. That, please God, after Pesach, nobody else has gotten to it first. Then I'm going to take it back, says the Alter Rebbe. That disqualifies the hefker. If the person's plan was to reclaim the chomets after Pesach, the hefker doesn't work. It's his chomets, and he transgresses having chomets over Pesach. That would be a good reason why the Tzemach Tzedek would not be in favor of using the hefker process. 
Not only that, look at what the Alter Rebbe says further. What happens if you're walking in the street after Pesach is over and you find some comets which clearly was thrown out by a Jewish person into a Hefka place before the prohibitions of Pesach started? The person obviously did so because he didn't want to have the transgression of owning or having comets in his possession or where he could see it over Pesach. The person can do that. They, to get rid of their liability of a Pesach, they're entitled to literally drop the bag of comets in the middle of the street and leave it as that. But the Alter Rebbe says, me, as a third party who had nothing to do with that person's Hefker, I am not permitted after Pesach to take their Hefker comets for my benefit. So how much more so I can't take my Hefker Chomet for my benefit. So that would explain, surely, why the Tzemach did not want the Rebbe Hashab to use the Hefker route to be able to hang on to his candies. However, there's one major flaw in the logic that we've used so far. We've overlooked a key component of what we're dealing with over here, and therefore these explanations don't yet address our issue. Why? We're talking about we're talking about candies. We don't know that the candies necessarily contain chametz. And let's say that there are chametz ingredients in these candies. It's ingredients. Before Pesach comes in, if you have chametz ingredients in a mixture, and the mixture is more of the kosher stuff than the chomet stuff, and certainly if it's 60 times more, then we don't consider that Taruvah's chomet before Pesach to be a problem, and it's nullified. And so there's no real concern of transgressing Pesach by having these candies. Why doesn't the Tzemach Tzedek allow the Rebbe Hashab to keep them? Or at the very least, to sell them. Now, the reason the Alter Rebbe was so against the principle of making Chomets Hefker and then reclaiming it after Pesach is because that would then become the mainstream and everybody would do it and not everybody would do it properly. But that's not a concern over here. The Alter Rebbe's concern is a person's going to be mafkar their chomets and then after Pesach, benefit from it. And it's a big problem to have benefit from chomets that lasted through Pesach. Here, the Rebbe Hashab has no intention of having any benefit from the chomets. What's he going to do with it? He's not going to eat it. He's not going to sell it. He's not going to sell it. All he wants is to keep the chomets in his possession. Which, or the candies in his possession, we're not even sure if they're chomets. That's not real hanoah, which the Torah prohibits. Now, when you add to that, that there's now a whole doubt if this is even a problem in the first place, because as far as the Torah is concerned, there are numerous ways to get around it. Majority ingredients, do bittel, or hefker. So all our concerns only rabbinic in nature. If something with chomets ingredients has to be dealt with as chomets before Pesach, and especially seeing as this is such a, an uncommon occurrence, and generally speaking, rules that the rabbis made are only for common occurrences. So it's quite likely that the rabbis would never have excluded this particular form of hefker for this particular kind of candy. Why didn't the Tzemach Tzedek just tell the Rebbe Rashab to do the hefker route?
And of course, you might want to say, well, the whole discussion is a non-starter. There's nothing to discuss here about Hefker or about sales. Because we're talking about something that belongs to a child who doesn't have the legal authority to make these processes happen. A child is only entitled in halacha to be able to acquire something and he needs an adult to be part of that process. But he doesn't have the authority to sell something. Nor to make it. So maybe this entire conversation is a non-starter. Well, that's actually not an, a good enough explanation because it's exactly that point. The Rebbe Rasha, being so young, is actually completely dependent on his adult parents and therefore halachically contingent on their processes for Pesach. In other words, or if, if, seeing as this is a child who is supported still by his parents, his possessions, whether given to him by gift, like in our case, or whether something he found, they would belong to his father. So yes, the Rebbe Rasha personally is not responsible to go through the process of selling these candies or making them hefker, but the Rebbe Maharashi's father, as the, the adult responsible for him, who actually owns the candies on his behalf, would have to go through these processes. And so we're back to square one. Why not follow either Mechira or Hefker? My time is moving. So we definitely should not create out of this a precedent that a child has the responsibility to avoid owning and possessing comments over Pesach. Or to believe that if a child did possess comments through Pesach, after Pesach it'd be forbidden for anybody to benefit from their comments. Because A, we don't know the candies were really comments. And secondly, I'll be we do have to consider that all the halachic considerations over here are not the onus of the Rebbe Rashab as a child, but rather the onus of the Rebbe Maharash as his adult father. And so let's not get sidetracked by that. Let's come back to our key question, which is why would selling these candies or making them hefker not be a sufficient method to deal with them over Pesach and the Tzemach Tzedek insists the Rebbe Rashab has to eat them. In fact, the truth is, once we're analyzing the story, we do have to ask ourselves, does it have bearing on the halachic considerations of ordinary people on an ordinary Pesach? Because we are discussing a rabbinic concern of chometz in the first place. Was there enough chometz ingredient in the candies to provide a problem? In fact, we don't even know if there's even chometz ingredients in there in the first place. And we're talking about a unique case, which is really uncommon. In a household where they were so extreme in their observance of Pesach, beyond what is required by the law, can you really extrapolate from this for you and I? Not clear, not sure. But there is an issue which we do know from our own experience, and you might have thought of this as we started the Sicha, and that is how do Hasidim behave with regards to things they receive from the Rebbe that they'd like to keep, but runs into the Chometz issue on Pesach? Why is it that we don't run to sell items we got from the Rebbe in our Mechiros Chometz? So the tradition or the way things have been passed down through Chassidim is, 
is the anhog of chassidim. Rabbi Sainu saying, given other chanal, the conduct of chassidim is pshas ayhom gehatat var meichel amashkevos mehot bakumen von rebben. A mehot dos niki can't hold him be pesach if a chassid received some kind of food product or drink from the rebbe and it contained chametz, so you couldn't keep it over pesach. Haven dos nit far koyft in chametz. We typically did not. The tradition was never to sell it with our chametz to a non-Jewish person. Matas ofgegessen al the oiske drinking for pesach. The tradition was always to eat or drink it before pesach. The question is why, and the obvious is simple because it's a chutzpah to take something the rebbe gave us and to relinquish it into the hands of a non-Jewish person, even if it's just for a short period. And then tam dafun yeshlema bepashtes is a simple explanation. Says, it would be disrespect to the Rebbe to take something the Rebbe gave us not just that it belonged to the Rebbe but the Rebbe gave it to me entrusted it to me it's disrespect to then say well you know what so and so the non-Jewish man John Doe can ha- have it for a period of time and it will be 100% his besides the fact that it raises a fascinating spiritual question at the time that we sell an item, previously something we got from the Rebbe, and now we're selling it to a non-Jewish person, it's Tzorachian, that raises a very important consideration. Now the Jew buys it back from the non-Jewish person. Does that food still retain the original holiness that the Tzadik imbued in it? Because it's been temporarily Owned fully by somebody else who's far from a tzaddik. So to get to understand this, we have to drill down into a fascinating chakira uh, that the that the Rogachava puts forward as to what exactly is Asr in chametz. How deep does the prohibition of chametz go? So what's the problem? I have a piece of bread. So is the issue that bread in the format of bread is objectionable on Pesach? Or is there something intrinsic, like so to speak, in the molecules of this particular item called bread that is objectionable? In other words, is it the fact that I eat it as bread, that I could sell it as bread? Or is it the fact that it is chametz fundamentally? And the Ragachava links this to a debate in Gemara Psachim between Rabbi Huda and Rabbi Shimon. If chametz lasts through Pesach without being sold, destroyed, made hefker, is it now something after Pesach? Forget about that. I can't eat it. Am I not allowed to have benefit from it? So the opinion that says that it is forbidden to have any benefit from chametz if it survived through Pesach is because it is a fundamentally prohibited item. Whereas the opinion that says once Pesach is over, you can now use this chametz item, obviously believes that it's only the appearance, the structure, the, uh, so to speak, persona of bread during Pesach that is a problem. But the bread did not become fundamentally osir. It's a bread plus Pesach equals osir. Remove Pesach, bread is fine. And that links also to a very famous debate between Rabbi Yudah and the Chachamim, what is required to get rid of Chometz before Pesach. Rabbi Yehuda Rabbi Yehuda says there's only one solution for Chometz before Pesach, and that's burn it to a crisp. Whereas the Chachamim say there are other ways. You can crumble it up into tiny, minuscule pieces. 
or you could throw it into the wind, or you could throw it into the sea. In other words, the Chachamim halt nas the Chachamim is betoyer from the Zach. The Chachamim obviously believe the prohibition of Chametz on Pesach is the appearance. This looks like bread. Bread is a problem on Pesach. But if I destroy the appearance of bread by soaking it in water, throwing it to the wind, crumbling it into tiny pieces, it no longer looks like what chometz is supposed to look like, and I can no longer eat it, and I can no longer sell it, what are you going to do? Line up a whole bunch of crumbs and sell them on Amazon? Even though the essence of chometz still exists, put it under a microscope, it still has the molecular structure of chometz. According to the Chachamim, that's okay. We don't worry about the essence. We worry about the fact that it looks, feels like, and can be eaten like, and sold like Chomet. Whereas Rabbi Huda is of the view that there is something intrinsic about every fiber of this piece of bread which is objectionable on Pesach and beyond. It's become a, a, a prohibited item, fundamentally. So the only way to fix this is totally destroy the chametz by burning it. You've got to break it down completely, not just make it something you don't eat or something you can't sell. Okay, so that's our question. Is chametz a legal prohibition or is chametz a change of the actual nature of the item to be a prohibited item? Is That also takes us back to our question about selling shirayim, etc., to a non-Jewish person. If we believe that the prohibition of chometz is this item has become intrinsically a prohibited item, then when I sell the item into a non sell it to a non-Jewish person in order to avoid the prohibition. What I'm doing is selling everything about it to the non-Jewish person. Then there's nothing left in the item that still retains the original holiness because I've given every fiber, every subatomic particle of this piece of bread, the shirayim from the tzaddik, over into the jurisdiction of the non-Jewish person. So there is no holiness left. Whereas if I go with the opinion of the Chachamim, which is that Chachamim doesn't infect every fiber of the thing to become prohibited. It's just in a particular format, edible Chachamim, sellable Chachamim, that is not allowed on Pesach. Now sell this chametz. Why do I sell this chametz? Because I don't want to transgress. I don't want to break the law against having chametz in my possession. I'm not selling every element of what makes this bread. I'm selling the parts of this bread which would cause me to be transgressing. So deep down inside that piece of bread, there's an element of it that was not relinquished. I never gave it up. I only gave up the part of the comments that's going to cause me an alachic problem over Pesach. I didn't give up every molecule of the bread and the Kedusha is still in the essence of the bread, and so I haven't lost the Kedusha. Now we know that the halacha does follow Rabbi Shimon, that if for whatever reason Chometz landed up going through Pesach, it is permissible to benefit from that Chometz after Pesach. That implies, and the Iser is not as knas, the prohibition against having access to Chometz is because we want to penalize people. We don't want them to retain Chometz over Pesach. 
And by extension, we don't have to burn our chametz before Pesach. We can get rid of it in other ways, pour acid on it, whatever. But the custom has become that we burn chametz. But Allah does follow the chametz, and that other methods are equally acceptable. Like, for example, when Erev Pesach is Shabbos, and you cannot burn the chametz, we use these other methods. That would imply that selling a chometz item we got from a rebbe to a non-Jewish person for the duration of Pesach actually does not undermine the holiness. And it is quite possible that when we reclaim that chometz from the non-Jew after Pesach, it still has the innate kedusha invested in it by the tzaddik. Phew, you'd feel relieved, Right? Until you understand how the Alter Rebbe teaches us, we have to do the sale of chametz. This is actually not a sufficient explanation. Yes, the technical reason we're doing the sale is not because we want to sell the item. It's because we want to avoid a prohibition against owning or possessing chametz. Realistically, the legal construct of the sale is 100% binding. It is a sale. It belongs completely to the recipient. Yes, the reason why we sell the chomets may excuse us from selling the essence of the item to the non-Jew. But practically, the way in which we sell the chomets, we sell everything. Top to tail, all the way to the depth of its being. It's a true sale, which means everything belongs to the non-Jew, especially in Chabad. Especially the way that the Alter Rebbe mandates that we do the sale of Chometz, which is to appoint a, a, an Orev Kablon, which is effectively a guarantor, to ensure that this is a 100% reliable sale. To the extent that legally that non-Jewish person doesn't have to return our chomets to us after Pesach, he is allowed to sell it to somebody else. Which illustrates that we're not just selling him rights to temporarily or even long-term use the chomets or selling him the concept of chomets. The fact that he is entitled to sell that chomets further indicates that it's 100% his. That would explain why Hasidim don't want their holy items to become his. That's exactly why the Hasidim would not want to sell something so precious that they got from the Rebbe to a non-Jewish person. Because not only is that an insult to the Rebbe to sell holiness, to somebody who is not Jewish, that we're willing to relinquish something that is so holy into the hands of a person who is not. A person who is sustained by the opposite of holiness. But more importantly, it's not just that we're relinquishing the holiness. We are proactively removing the holiness because we're choosing to sell an item that is holy into an environment that is unholy, consciously, deliberately. 
If you say, come and avoid Zayin Favos, as Nick Givorin, the Anhoga, to Mafka Zayin Yishayim, Bechulub von Atzadik. So that explains why you don't want to sell a, your, your Shirayim, etc., your Mashka from the Rebbe, your Lekach to a non Jewish person, because you don't want to be the person who intentionally hands over Kedusha into the hands of Klippa. But we'll also see that the same thing applies to Hefker as well. Now, in order to do that, we have to understand that there are two possibilities of Hefker. Is Hefker just me saying it's no longer mine? Or is Hefker me saying this item is now potentially anybody's? And as we're going to see in a moment, actually making something from the Rebbe Hefker could be worse than selling it to a Goy. So what is Hefker, how does Hefker work? Again, the Ragachava will give us the two sides. Together from Hefker, Zokter Ragachava came in Oistaich and Eftzvei, a fine in the Ragachava says the two possibilities of how Hefker works. See, the Uftu von Hefker is as the Balabais is a Mesalik Fundesach, was er is Mafkir, und es gehört nicht zu keinem. Option one, I own something, I make an Hefker meaning to say, I retract, I relinquish control. That's it, right now it belongs to nobody. Oder, as the Mafkir sein, but come and all mention as Chus Vikinin in Dover Hanifkar. Or, Hanifkar. Or, by me saying this item is Hefkar, have I now empowered every one of the 8 billion people on the planet with some potential ownership of this item? The Mitos Dorga Chabim Mavoy Plukta Sami Roim, and with that, the the Ragachab explains a debate in the Gemara. What does the Gemara say? When Einah had ongeschäft Wasser von Abel shall Hefker um Yontiv to live sein Chaver. So this is in the Gemara Beitzer, which speaks about various scenarios that play out on Yontiv. One of which, bear in mind that yes, you are allowed to carry things on Yontiv even in a public space, but the same distances that are restricted on Shabbos are restricted on Yontiv as well. Here's a person who goes to a public well. Draws water, so public means it's Hefka, anybody's allowed to take the water. He draws water on behalf of somebody else. So now our question is, is he allowed to do that? Yes. Can he take the water to that person? Yes. The question is, the limit of how far he can transport that water, is it based on where he is on Yom Tov or where the recipient is on Yom Tov? You look at the recipient and you say, based on his location, that's the range in which a person can travel on Yontav. And obviously, if you're in that range, you can get the water to him. So Rab Nachman's opinion is, you work out where the recipient is, and that range, that radius of 2,000 amois, is the movement space within which you could take the water to him or not. Whereas Rav Sheisha says it's all dependent on the person who's drawing the water. He's got the area to move. Okay, and obviously, needless to say, it would sound like the same thing, right? If the person drawing the water is 2,000 amos from the recipient, we're talking over here about perhaps moving the water in a different direction to a different place. The Gemara so the question the Gemara asks is, what's the debate between Rav Nachman Rav Sheishas and says, Mar Sova Bira de Hefkeirahu, or Mar Sova Bira de Shutvehu. One is arguing that the nature of this well is that it is Hefker. The other is saying the nature of this well is that it's shared by everybody. So the Rav explains, they both agree that the Bor is Hefker. The question is, what does Hefker mean? Now Rav Nachman Halt, as the get von Hefker, says, Allah Rav Nachman says the definition of Hefker means that everybody potentially has access and therefore has rights to this particular item, in this case, the water. Therefore, the guy who is waiting to receive the water actually has part ownership in this water slash well. That's why Rav Nachman is of the view that the, the legal status of this well is shared by everybody. 
Avsheshes held hefker means as does gehet nitzukenim. Whereas Avsheshes says no. If something is hefker, that means nobody owns it. Therefore, according to Rav Sheshes, when I draw the water out of the well and I have you in mind, it doesn't become your water because you didn't have rights to this water. The water was ownerless. I now have the rights to the water. If I have the rights to the water, then the range of how far I can walk is the only thing to consider. The fact that you were going to receive the water doesn't impact my range of distance where I could take the water because you had no share in the water until it actually arrives in your house. And let's plug that into our scenario. If we go with a view that Hefka means the item that used to belong solely to me actually now belongs, at least potentially, to every human on, on earth. Well, then it's clear why a person who has shirayim, something that comes from the Rebbe, you shouldn't want to ever make it hefker. For exactly the same logical reason, we don't want to sell those items to a non-Jew. Because if I make something hefker, and the definition of hefker is that now it belongs to everyone on earth, then I've taken something of Kedusha and made it available to every non-Jew that exists. Especially when you consider Jews don't want this chametz because they don't want chametz on Pesach. And therefore, they would retract from having access to this Hefker item because it's going to make life worse for them. So the only people who actually have a claim on the chametz I'm being mafkir before Pesach is only non-Jewish people, not one, like in the case where I sold it, but many. That's an insult to the Rebbe. And it's actually, in a sense, worse than selling it to a single non-Jewish recipient. Because if I'm only going to sell the comments to one recipient, I could choose the best non-Jewish person I could find who's completely dedicated to the values of Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noyach and belief in Hashem, goodness and kindness. A non-Jewish person who the Rambam says clearly has a portion in the next world. And that non-Jew will now have an additional credit because that non-Jew is helping me to observe Pesach and not to transgress. Whereas if I make it Hefker, which is open season for every person on the planet, then that Chomets, which used to be mine, that came from the Rebbe, is now available to every non-Jew on the planet, including those who are not the best choicest non-Jewish people, and maybe even our outright enemies, that would really be an affront to the respect and honor of our Rebbe. That's according to the view that Hefka means the item is now available to everybody. But but even the other view, which says Hefka just means nobody owns it, is move on, it's still understood. Taking something valuable and precious, Something a holy item that we received from our Rebbe. And then, consciously, because remember, in order for this to work, it has to be conscious, deliberately, and wholehearted. So wholeheartedly to say, I have nothing to do with it anymore. It's also an insult. Because the fact that I'm willing to relinquish ownership and control indicates that I don't really value it. 
That's why the Tzemach Tzedek insisted, not because of the halachic ramifications of Mechira is maybe a cheat, or Hefker is maybe problematic because you don't do it intentionally. The reason the Tzemach Tzedek didn't want those processes is because he didn't want something holy to fall into the hands of the other side. And therefore, clearly the Tzemach Tzedek wanted the solution to be, let's keep this in the world of Kedusha, put it inside your system, you eat the, the, the candies, they become part of another holy being, and that's the best way in which you could respect not only them, but the Rebbe who gave them. And that teaches us an incredible lesson in how we're supposed to invest in education. When you consider how precious these candies were to the Rebbe Rashab, which is why he kept them in his property and he wouldn't allow them to be touched, harmed, whatever. He was willing to relinquish the rights to be able to make them part of his own biology. That's how much he cared about them. And there's no real halachic prohibition against selling or relinquishing ownership of these candies. Don't you think it would have been a good idea to allow the Rebbe Rashab to hang on to these candies and have a lifetime of memories of the special time where he was inducted into Chinuch and where he had this gift from his grandfather? So you'll say, yeah, but you're, you're removing the holiness from these candies by selling them to a non-Jewish person. And temporarily they're going to sit in somebody else's uh, property. Talk about a child who's three years old. He wouldn't know all the machinations, the technicalities of how the sale worked. All he would know is he's got this precious item that reminds him of the value of Chinuch. But that's exactly the point of this story, to show us how much we have to invest in the integrity of Chinuch. Not only is Chinuch about those things mandated by the Torah or even by the rabbis, I feel in Ahidar Mitzvah, not even should we be so careful, not only should we be careful in Chinuch about teaching children how to do a mitzvah in the most beautiful way possible, but we have to drill into our children the value and importance of, of maintaining the traditions of Chsidim. And what we do, we do with absolute integrity, even if it comes at a price. And our dedication to the principles that we believe in shouldn't only be when it's easy to follow them. But we have to be willing to do things that are mysterious nefesh, which for a child is giving up on what the child wants. And we actually have a number of stories about the Rebbe Rashab using this form of absolute chinuch with the Rebbe Rashab using this this to be appropriate, but you teach a child to have chesed when perhaps they're by nature, gevura, or vice versa. 
you'll say, but this is a story of the chinuch of a very unique human being, a rebbe. The fact that that story was publicized to all of us is thus means it's a lesson for all of us. And that's what the Rebbe, Fidik Rebbe says when he tells the story. He says, this is the chinuch we should have. The reason we can affect this kind of chinuch of our children is because we follow the head. The Rebbeim behave this way and therefore empower us to behave similarly. That we are empowered to follow in the pathways and the, the uh, instructions that were given to us by our Rebbeim forever in all circumstances, in all generations.